The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio with Lee Whitting. Whether you're listening on TalkZone, by podcast, through the archives of our ad-free shows on our YouTube channel, or connected through the incredible content of our Facebook page. Our guest today, Carlos Vivas, a native of Venezuela, has experienced a series of miracles in his life, including a guiding voice, a life-saving dolphin, and a vision of Jesus that demonstrated how much God loves us, the importance of forgiveness, and uh, also that taught him how we should live our lives. He's the author of Help from Heaven. Carlos, welcome to NDE Radio. Well, thank you so much, Lee, for the invitation. I'm really glad to be here. and It's an honor for me to be in your program. Thank you well, so much. It's an honor for us to have you. Thank you. Well, Carlos, um, you uh, grew up in Venezuela, and yes. you were telling me that um, the school you went to was uh, uh, nuns from Spain. Tell us a little what that yes. education um, was like. Yeah, My school name was Old Rosary, or Lady of Rosary from Uh Spain. The whole school was completely, uh, everybody that worked from the school was coming from Spain. So the whole school was completely everything from Spain. So it was a really good school. It was a private Catholic school. And that's when my mom wants me, uh, me and my sister, my older sister, to go to this school because uh, my mom always wanted the best for us. And at that time, Catholic school was the best to raise kids, you know? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, it, it, it was good. It was good. They were very strict, you know, in the 80s and 90s, how Catholic schools were. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like today. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I have a good time. Oh, uh, good. good time. Yes. But then I guess your mother was worried about the uh, trend toward communism in Venezuela? Yes. She, she knew because she was working for the government uh, that uh, the communism was coming. And she told my sister and me to leave the country. Uh, We didn't want to leave the country, believe me, because, I mean, Venezuela is in the Caribbean Sea. I mean, half of the country is in the Caribbean Sea. Mm. And uh, it was beautiful, but our lives were in danger, you know. And um, then she had cancer, terminal cancer with um, breast cancer. And I guess God had another plan for her. And I tried to help, help her as much as I could, the way that I, I treat my cancer, and, uh, but she, she couldn't do it. So she died on December 7, 1999. And after that, I, I came to the United States. I came before here, and actually I was here in 1998 mm-hmm. for work. But then um, after she died, I just came back to the United States. Yeah. Well, now, when you were 14, you were diagnosed with a form of cancer, weren't you? Yes, it was uh, leukemia. Um, It was hard because it came out of the blue. I started feeling really bad. And I told my parents, they took me to 10 doctors. All the doctors, they did exams and stuff, but nobody wants to say anything. At the end, I finished with with a specialist on blood. It was a hematologist, and he was the best doctor in the city. And he finally came with the result that it was terminal, and we came too late, and there was no way that I could be safe. So he told my mom, well, he's just going to have to go home and die. And that's how the miracle came because in the moment 
that the doctor is he came to the office, the doctor office to give the result, the final result of, of all the tests that he was taking on me. Mm-hmm. He said to my mom, I'm sorry, he had three months to leave. And my mom like, what? Three months to wow. leave? And so my mom like, well, what are you saying? And in that moment, I heard a voice inside of me that said, he don't have the last word I had. Mm-hmm. And I was amazed because I didn't know what to think about this voice. I never heard a voice inside of me never before. And my mom was very strict, so I didn't want to say something to her like, look, I just heard this because she's going to think that I'm making fun of the situation, you know? I didn't want her to slap me on my face or something because it was a very critical situation. Anyways, at the end, the doctor gave, gave us two options after my mom cried for an hour. Oh, and the wow. two options were, number one, go to Houston, Texas and do a bone marrow transplant. And... My mom asked how much it's going to cost. And the doctor said, well, you're going to have to sell maybe your house and your cars because it's a very expensive surgery. My mom said, will you save my son if, if, if we do the surgery? And the doctor said, well, it's going to be 50-50. We don't know. And my mom said, you know what? I don't like that option. What is the second option? The second option mm-hmm. is going to Paris in France and get this formula that I'm working with another doctor's and start giving to your son, at least you're going to be doing something for him, you know? So my mom took the second option. Uh, they brought the formula. I started taking like a little pills. It was like a kind of chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to be on bed for three months, connected to an IV. They put a cocktail of medicines on the back of the IV. And after a month and a half, I... I still feeling a little bit dizzy and bad. So we went to take more exams and tests. And the doctor said, you know what? It's not working. So my mom started crying at home. My dad was crying. I feel horrible because I said, God, I mean, what's going on? I'm, I'm being a good person. And this, why this is happening to me, you know? And um, I remember that I have an idea. We have a, an uncle that was rich, and I said, Mom, we have an, the uncle that's real estate, and he has millions. Why we don't go and, and get some, some money, a loan from my uncle, and then we pay it through all my life. I will work. And my mom said, no, you don't, gonna, you don't know your, your uncle, so I don't want you to go and ask for anything. I said, Mom, but it's my life. And she said, no, I don't want you, please, so don't call him. When my mom went to work, my dad went to work, and I stayed by myself at home. And I was thinking, wait a minute, they're not going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to call my <laughs> uncle. <laughs> so I called my uncle. Um, my uncle, I said, uncle, I'm sorry to bother you. I know you're super busy, but I have a problem. I have this sickness, terminal cancer. And the only way to repair this is a surgery in Houston, Texas. It's a bone marrow transplant. We don't have the money. Is any way that you can loan the money to us? And my, bo- my uncle said, I'm sorry, Carlos, I cannot do that. And he hung up the phone. As soon as he hung up the phone, the whole world came down to me, like everything turned pitch black. And I said, okay, well, I guess I'm going to die. So I went on my knees in the middle of the living room in my mom's house. Um, I, I felt completely bad. And then heat came all over my body. And I said, wait a minute. I studied in a Catholic school, and they said that it's a god. And there is a God that saved you if you pray with all your heart, you know. And, and I said, you know what? I'm going to pray to God. So I said, God, let's, let's do a deal right here. If you save me from this cancer, from this leukemia, I'm going to tell the world that you're real because I'm going to be a living proof that you're real, you know. 
But after this, I start praying and asking God, like, please, thank you for my healing. Thank you for my healing. And in my heart, in that moment, I feel that everything is going to be fine. And what I tell people that have cancer, when the doctor give you the test result, don't accept the cancer. Just say, no, this is not me, you know? Because I, I believe the cells in your body, when you accept something like that, it's like, it's terrible. But I, you have to have hope, like I had in that moment. And I just was 14 years old. And from that day, I started praying every day. And I started saying all the time, thank you for my healing. Thank you for my healing. Thank you for my healing. And um, I started reading books about how the cells uh, heal the body. And I mean, I started praying and doing visualization. Nobody told me this. this mm-hmm. At 14 years old, I started visualizing my life in the future, going to the university, graduating, buying a house, have a family and all this. And three months passed. I still with the treatment. And after three months, the doctor called my mom and said, okay, it's time for Carlos to go and do the CT scan. Uh, we're going to see the results, how this going. We go to the hospital. They put me on the CT scan machine. And then when the results came out, it was blank. So the doctor said, there is no cancer. It's, it's gone. So my mom started screaming, like, oh, my God, this is a miracle. Oh, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. And the doctor had a bulldog face, like all serious. And my mom, what's going on, doctor? I mean, this is a miracle. And the doctor said, the miracle doesn't exist. And let me tell you something, lady. Uh, this is called remission. And remission is when the cancer disappears and then come back even worse. And in that moment, I heard the voice again inside of me saying, like, this will never happen to you again. You know? And until today, <laughs> I've been free of cancer and... And I guess from that point, like I was 14 years old, I never said this to anyone, you know, beside my family and friends and neighbors around me. And that's when years later, the second call came, you know. You do you think, yeah. Do you think if you had told your mother when you heard the voice the first time that she would have um, uh, believed that you'd heard it, that she would have accepted the fact that God was saying, you're going to be okay? Look, my mom was very strict. And she will, I, I don't know if you remember the 70s and the 80s. <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, people was like super hard, you know? And yes. she's going to be taking this. I mean, you you was more respectful, be, being careful what you were saying with your mouth because you know your parents is, I mean, it's going to be hard, the response. And uh, in, in that moment, I, I believe like it's better if I don't say anything because I know my mom. She's 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 gonna slap in my face and she'll say like, "Stop making fun. This is real," you know. And I just trying to avoid that, you know. Um, yeah, because my mom was very strict. Yeah. Now, when she was when she had cancer, did you must have told her the details of the story? Yes. Yes. And I, and she must have believed it because you're you were it was yes. a miracle. Yes. Wow. And actually, when my mom, so everything that happened to my mom, it was a piece, elemental piece in my life because the way that I treat her, it was like the first thing that I started doing for other people. So now after my mom passed, now is any neighbors in my, around me or family or friends or anybody have cancer, I say, you know what, I take over. I help you with everything. With the chemotherapies, I speak with the doctors. I know what's going on. I know the pills they need to take because 
it's really hard. I mean, when you have cancer, it's like the whole world turned black and you, people is afraid. But uh, I just look the person that have the sickness and say, like, look, let's fight completely until the end, you know? Uh, yes. I've been helping a lot of people uh, with cancer. So, and I th- but yes, mm-hmm, go ahead. And I think the fact that you had had a, a, a dream vision of heaven, which mm-hmm. we'll hear about later, mm-hmm. uh, is something that can also give them, like uh, near-death experiences, encourage people who are sick and perhaps dying, that uh, that death is not the end. Oh, yeah, definitely. That, that, in fact, it's the beginning of something much better. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I, I always believe that is something after life, you know? Um, I don't know. I have that in my heart since I was a kid. I, I know that it's, it's something more. I don't know if uh, religion don't talk about that or in the school you don't speak. I mean, you don't hear that. Near-death experience was a new term for me after my near-death experience because I didn't know what a near-death experience was. Yes. So after this happened to me, I started looking help everywhere. And I was afraid to ask anybody, you know, because you say, like, who's going to believe me? <laughs> this happened to me, you know. Uh, but thanks God, when uh, my accident happened, that's my second story. I have a lot of witness right there. Uh, plus all the friends that went with me to, to witness the second miracle that happened to me. You know, it yes. was a lot of people present. Well, then, uh, I will, well, let's go on to that. You and some friends on Memorial Day weekend, 2015. Yeah. Rented a boat to go out to an island. Tell us about the story. Yeah, so me and my friends, we went from Atlanta to uh, Panama City Beach in Florida uh, to to pass the weekend, Memorial Day weekend. And after we drove for Panama City Beach for several places, everything was packed. I tell my friends, you know what? It's too many people here. Let's go to an island in the middle of the ocean. It's called Chill Island. So we... Went to this part, it's called San Andrew State Park, took a boat, a shuttle boat. They took us to the island. When we arrived to the island, the base island was packed with people. So I tell my friends, let's go to the other side of the island. So we walked to the, the other side of the island that was open oceans. And when we get there, I have a tent. So I put a big tent and then I put chairs and tables. And I mean, I have uh, speakers and food and drinks. And we stayed there from 9 a.m. till 4 p.m. And around 4 p.m., my friend said, Carlos, we want to walk around the island before we leave. I said, okay, you have like 45 minutes to an hour to do that because the last, last boat is going to leave around 5, 5.30 to 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. So hurry up, I, I take care of everything. So they left. I was by myself. And in that moment, it started getting really hot. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to jump and I'm going to swim in front of my tent. So I'm going to be watching everything, right? So I jump into the water and uh, I'm not afraid to swim because since I was a child, my mom put me in sports. So my mom put me in karate, taekwondo, swimming classes, uh, piano classes. I was on the white voices too. I mean, for 10 years with my sister. So um, I wasn't afraid to swim because I wasn't a swimming team. So I jumped into the water. I was swimming. Everything was fine. And then out of the blue, this riptide came under the water. The thing was, I didn't know what a riptide was. I never heard it in my life. <laughs> I didn't know what it, what, it, what it means, a riptide, right? So it was this whirlpool under the water that sucked me in. And the way that I explained to people, if you saw the movie Finding Nemo, you can see that uh, this whirlpool 
take all the fishes and throw it far, far away from the beach. And um, this threw me like half a mile away from where I was. Wow. And I, I didn't understand what was happening, but when everything stopped that I pulled my head out of the water, the island was like half a mile away. So like, how in the world I'm here? Like, I don't know what happened. Okay, I just come down and I start swimming back. So I start swimming back, like everything's gonna be fine. And then I pull my head out of the water and I'm farther. It's like, what? And I swim faster, 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 and farther. Why? Because the ocean is still pulling me in. And after 30 minutes fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting, I start getting cramps on my arms, on my legs. And I knew that was the end right there. Mm -hmm. So I said, you know what, God? I never in a million years thought that today is going to be my last day. But uh, there is no way I'm going to get out, get out of here. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you for my mom. Thank you for my dad. Thank you for my brothers, my sisters. Thank you for everything you gave me. And I'm sorry if I did something wrong. In that moment, I heard a voice behind me that said, ask for help. A very soft voice. And I was like, what? And I look everywhere and I just hear the wind and the water. And then a few minutes later, again, ask for help. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, who is here? Help me. I've been here for like 35, 45 minutes. Can you help me, please? Nothing. Water and the wind. And then a few minutes later, I told you to ask for help. I was like, oh my God, okay, okay, okay. So I started screaming, help, help. Even that I couldn't see, barely see the island. I started waving, help, help, help. At the end of the island, one of my friends from the group came out because he felt something was wrong. This guy that felt that something was wrong two years prior to this, a, a very good friend of him died here in Atlanta in the same situation. Oh. In Lake Lanier. It's a, it's a huge lake here in Atlanta. And he said, when I saw you, Carlos, that you was there, I couldn't believe this was repeating again in my life. And this time I was making sure that you're not going to die, you know, because it's going to be double on me. But anyways, the first time that this happened to him, he just froze up. He couldn't do anything. This time he was just running and he was screaming, I'm going to call 911. Hold on, I'm going to call 911. He didn't call 911. He went back to the tent and grabbed some tubings, went to the top of the hill and dropped the tubing from the top of the hill. And then, the, of course, the wind was against him and the tubings were back in his face. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, my God, this is not working. Carlos, hold on, hold on, hold on. So he ran to the other side of the island, bring a lot of people to the top of the hill. Six people jumped from the rocks, from the hill, and they're on the way to grab me, right? And I was like, oh, thank you. They're going to save me. They're going to save me. Come on. Yes, come on. And when they were on the way to me, we hear a thunder, like 10 minutes later. And when I look back, it was a thunderstorm coming behind me. So the sky started turning black and dark. Wow. And it started like kind of raining behind me and lightning behind me. And when I look again to the island, everybody started turning around. Because who's going to risk their life for somebody they don't know, you know? And in that moment, I said, you know what? I don't blame them because, I mean, they have families and they don't want to die here for somebody they don't know. And in that moment, I said, you know what, God? If you want to take me, I'm ready. I just want to surrender. And in this moment, I always said to people, how many times in your life you're fighting with your wife, with your kids, with your school, with your work, anything. And the only thing that you have to do is surrender and let God take over because you cannot do it, you know, like, you have cancer or you have any other sickness and you're fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and just relax and let God take over, right? And that's what I did. And in that moment that I surrendered, a huge wave came and crushed me all the way under the water. So when I was under the water, 
I open my eyes and I see far, far away this black shadow that's coming my way. So I thought it was a shark. So I covered my face like, oh my God. And I was just waiting for the bite. And then this huge thing came and grabbed me by my stomach and pushed me all the way up to get air. So when I get out of the water, what I see first is the, the tail. So it was a huge dolphin. So I grabbed the dolphin by the tail and I was like, what a dolphin? So I just started crying by the tail and crying. Like, look at the dolphin to the face. Like, how do you say, like, what in the world? Like, how this happened? I cannot believe it. Like, wow. So I just cried there for like 10 minutes. And after 10 minutes, a feature boat show up in front of me. So the feature boat said, son, I can save you, but I cannot get close to you uh, because the waves are so big. I'm going to hit you with my boat. So I'm going to throw you a rope. So he threw me a rope. I start pulling the rope all the way to the, the boat. And when I arrive to the boat, the dolphin is still next to me. So I grab the rope and I get air like, <sighs> because I've been there for like 45 minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. And then the guy started screaming at me like, what are you doing? You need to get in now. I said, sorry, let me breathe, please. I've been here for 45 minutes. I said, I know you don't understand. My body is sinking. I said, your body is sinking. How? I said, yes, my boat have a pump and the pump is stopped. And all the water from the ocean, the big waves that are getting inside of the boat and the whole boat is floating. So you need to hurry up, go to the back. You're going to see some steps and you're going to jump in. I said, okay, okay, okay. So I jump, go to the back. The dolphin is still with me. I see the steps. I jump inside of the boat and the water was like this. And I see the water everywhere. It's like, oh my God, sir, do you have any bucket to take the water out? No, I don't have any bucket and we don't have time for that. Please sit down here. So I sit down next to him and I said, we need to get out of here. So he started uh, turning the boat and getting out of that place. And then he started asking me questions like, are you okay? Are you fine? So yes, sir, I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you. I said, okay, um, where's your family and friends? Everybody said, what happened to you? I just jumped into the water and this riptide came and brought me all the way here. And then he said, um, let me ask you another question. Where are you from? I said, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. What about you, sir? I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, too. What, what's, what part? I said, I'm from Duluth. And what about you? I'm from North Cross. And Duluth and North Cross are next to each other. I was like, oh, and we're neighbors, too. This is, wow, in synchronicity right there. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And in that moment, he's like, oh, my God, look behind you, look behind you. And as soon as I look behind me, he started grabbing his camera and he started filming behind me. And the dolphin was jumping behind the, the boat, following us all the way around the island. So when we get to the base side of the island, the guy said, okay, son, I have to leave you right here because I need to fix my boat. But if you want to see me again, every Memorial Day, I'm going to be here. And you will see my boat and you will meet my family. So, okay, sir, thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you for saving my life. In that moment, I jump off the boat. It was, the water was low there. So I start walking to the shore. And as soon as he left, and I'm walking, something hit my leg. And when I look back, the dolphin was behind me. And I was like, what? The dolphin? Like, what does dolphin want with me? Like, what in the world? And then I started walking, crying, because it was, like, amazing experience, right? Yes. And then when I get to the chore, I go on my knees, and I said, you know what, God? If you save me with this dolphin right here, it's because you have a purpose for my life. I'm going to tell you something from today. Carlos died into the ocean. The person who's coming out of the water is going to be you. You want Carlos? Well, bring it on. Take over Carlos. But I give you my life. I give you my soul. And I give you everything I have to you. And in that moment, the dolphin leave. And in that moment, it started raining. and started thundering and lightning. 
And after that, everybody started running from the other side of the island. All my friends, the police arrived, everybody started hugging me. Everybody started crying. My friends saying to me like, oh, what are you going to say to your family that, that you die here? And we didn't take care of you and blah, blah, blah. I said like, no, 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 everything's fine. So then the police are like, what happened? So I start telling the story, what happened? And they take me back to the San Andrew State Park. And I speak with the management and I told them like, look, um, you need here to put some red flags saying like it's dangerous, you know, you need to put a sign what is a riptide so people don't go there. And basically you need to be more careful. I mean, with the families that come here, you know, today was me, but tomorrow could be a kid or an old lady, you know? Mm. So after I said that, everybody asked me like, Carlos, where do you want to go now? So like, I, this was a miracle. So I want to go to a church and uh, say thanks to God. So we Googled a church next by, and it was uh, a church by Fatima. It's a Catholic church. So we went next to it. When we arrived to the church, the church was closed. It was around 7, 7.30 or something like that. It was closed, but next to the church was a little chapel. And the chapel, it was like a cave. And inside of the cave had Virgin Mary, and it was full of candles. So everybody that came from the beach, uh, we did a huge circle uh, in the garden in front of the, uh, the Virgin. And we pray. We hug each other, everybody in a circle, and we pray for like 20, 30 minutes. After we finished praying, um, one of my friends said, Carlos, what do you want to do now? I said, I just want to go back to the hotel, get something to eat, take a shower, and go to sleep. So that's what I did. I went back to the hotel. I did that. And as soon as I put my, mm -hmm. my face on my pillow, I have an epiphany. I didn't know what epiphany was. So it was an encounter with God. So in this moment, I closed my eyes and I opened my eyes again. I'm on the third floor of a carnival cruise, grabbing the handrails. And looking in front of me is the blue ocean, blue skies. Everything is beautiful. But at the end of the ocean, I see a big tsunami rising and coming my way. And in that moment, I said, oh, my God, I'm going to die here. So I covered my face and I said, waiting for the impact, just waiting for the impact. 20, 30 minutes passed, nothing happened. And then somebody come behind me and touched my back and said, Carlos, open your eyes and look at me. I said, no, 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 we're about to die. What are you saying? Like, look, look, the tsunami is coming. And then he said, Carlos, you're never going to die with me. I said, who are you? I said, look at me. So I pulled my hands out of my face and I looked back. And guess who it was? It was in my heart, I knew it was Jesus. He was taller than me. He had with a white robe. I couldn't see his face. It was, was light coming from his face. And he said to me, Carlos, just relax. Close your eyes. And when I closed my eyes, he hugged me from behind. And as soon as he hugged me from behind, he said, 10 seconds later, he said, now open your eyes. So I opened my eyes. And as soon as that happened, in front of me, I was in heaven. And when I see where I was, I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, my God, this is heaven. Like, Jesus, no, 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 I cannot die right now. I have a lot to do. Could you bring me back, please? And he said, Carlos, no, you're not dead right now. You make a promise to me, and you need to fulfill this promise. And welcome to heaven. From today, you're part of me and part of all these people right here. From today, you're still walking with me and walking with all of them. Do you have any questions? I said, like, yeah, I have a question. Where all these people come from? There were millions of people dressing white robes in heaven. And he said, well, they're coming from all over the world. And then I said, I have another question. When you come to heaven, what is the true religion here? I said, in heaven, there is no religion. When you come here, the only thing that you're going to find is love. Love is the most powerful force in the universe, and that's what I'm going to unite the whole humanity in one again. Uh, do you have any other questions? So like, well, no. So, okay, let's do a live. 
So he hugged me and we started walking in heaven and he started doing my last review, live review. And in my live review, I just want to tell you a little quick, um, is just pass images of your life on the moments that you change another people's lives, all the good things that you did, all the things that people feel bad, whatever you did to them. So in that moment, you're in a high elevated con conscious, like you know that you did wrong, you know? And in that moment, you know, you feel like, oh my God, I did that and I did the other thing. But you're going to feel good because you, you know that you did a lot of good stuff too. So he just wanted to show me that. And after he showed me all that, he said, okay, Carlos, it's time for you to go back and tell the people what happened here. So he sent me back. Next morning, I wake up and say, oh, what a crazy dream was that, right? And then Monday, I go back to Atlanta. I go to my office. I tell my friends there because I've been almost working 20 years in my company, all the managers. I'm a quality assurance manager, and I have another manager in front of me. I say, guys, guess what happened this week? And a dolphin saved me. And everybody's like, yeah, right, a dolphin saved you. And then behind me, I heard a voice that said, I believe you. And I look like, who? So when I look back, it was my boss. I said, oh, why do you believe me and they don't believe me? I said, well, other than they're atheists, I'm a Christian. Number two, I want you to go on Google and Google how many dolphins have saved humans through history. And then I Google it and dolphins have saved a lot of people through history. I said, wow, I didn't know that. Then he said, now Google how many dolphins get killed in the other side of the world every year. And they're still saving people. And then I Google mm -hmm. it. More than 100 dolphins get killed every year. 100,000. 100,000. 100, yeah, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. But they're saving us and we're killing them. Yeah, that's what my boss said to me. He said, like, look, they're still being so honest and pure. They're still saving us, you know, even though we're still killing them. And then he said, now Google, how many people die in Florida by riptides? So I Google more than 100 people die every year. It's the silent killer. And then he said, now, the last one, Google, what is the meaning of the dolphin for Christians? I said, like, what? So I Googled, what is the meaning of dolphin for Christians? And is the hope for eternal life. The dolphin represents Jesus. Thousands of years ago in Rome, in Italy, they used to put on the catacombs uh, dolphins around uh, everywhere in, in Rome because the dolphin represents the angels that take the souls to heaven. So it was like like angels going to heaven, you know? But who would have thought that dolphins were doing that, you know? I mean, I was like, wow, that's amazing. So that happened on Monday. On Wednesday, my boss sent me to a customer house because one of my employees broke a lamp in the basement. When I get to the customer house here in Atlanta, in the Stone Mountain area, it was an old lady. She was cooking some pasta. And she said, Carlos, I'm busy in the, in the kitchen. Could you do me a favor? I go to the basement, go to the last room. At the end, you're going to turn the light and you will see a gold lamp in the corner. I said, sure. So I go downstairs. I walk to the last room, turn the light. I see the broken lamp on a corner. But next to the lamp, it's a huge painting on the wall. And guess what it was? The same scene that I was when I was with Jesus in heaven. So it was heaven, hundreds of people, thousands of people in the background, Jesus in the middle, and below Jesus was the ocean, and on in the ocean were dolphins. And I was like, what? Whoa. So this was very, very <laughs> overwhelming for me. It was like, how in the world this lady have in the basement this painting? 
So I started crying and they're like, Carlos, what's going on? Are you okay? Do you fell or something? Like, let me see what's going on. So she runs and says, Carlos, what happened? I said, like, excuse me, ma'am, but I'm sorry to ask you this, but where do you get this painting? This is impossible. I said, what are you talking about, Carlos? I said, like, I was there three days ago and now you have this painting in your basement. Like, what in the world? And then she said, well, a friend of my family came here three years ago uh, with a big canvas and he did that painting. And we don't have any other space in my house to put that painting because it's huge, as you can see. Uh, and we put it right here at the end of the basement. But you can take pictures if you want. So I took some pictures. And that was on Wednesday. On Thursday, I called my best friend. He lived in an area here in Atlanta. It's called Woodstock. It was one hour away from my house. And when I go to his house on Sunday, um, I, I spoke with him on the phone before I go to his house. I'm like, bro, this is what happened. And he's like, Carlos, you need to go to church. This is a miracle. This is a testimony. You need to tell people. It's like, are you kidding me? I will never say this story to anybody. I mean, who's going to believe this? Are you? No, 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 no. Okay. And it's like, Carlos, come on. You need to do it. Well, he was over an hour on the phone with me. And he finally convinced me, right? On Sunday, I go to his house to breakfast with his wife and him. I said, what, what church do you want to go? So like, any church. Because Jesus told me that is love. So whatever you choose, whatever you, we can go. I said, okay, let's Google the, the closest church to home. So we Google the church, and the church that came first was called St. Michael the Archangel, Busta. So we go to this church, and when we arrived there, there was hundreds of cars outside. People were celebrating Sunday. There was music. There was balloons everywhere. And we parted, and there was a lady next to us and said, excuse me, ma'am, what's going on here today? I said, well, this used to be a small church, but today they're inaugurating this huge church. It's like a cathedral. And you guys just came on time to see the whole celebration, that the inauguration of this cathedral. I said, okay, wow. So we saw the whole inauguration. And at the end, I, me and my friends, we speak with the priest and tell them that we have a testimony. And the priest said, yeah, okay, you can go to stage and, and tell the testimony. So okay. So for the first time, I go to stage, grab the microphone for, I don't know, hundreds of people there. And I start telling my story. And when I start telling my story, Something happened. In the middle of my story, a 17-year-old raised her hand and said, excuse me, sir, excuse me. And I said, yes. I said, I want to ask you a question. I said, sure. Um, I just want to ask you how Jesus was with you. I said, Jesus was behind me. While he was dressing, he was dressed in a white robe. Um, what, uh, where you were, I was in front of him. Why? And she said, I have to show you something. So she's, she grabbed the hair, put the hair in front of her. She turned around and behind her on the chair, she have a printing on her back, uh, an image of Jesus. It's an image by Thomas Black Chair. It's called Forgiveness. Um, I don't have the painting right here, but like I said before, I have to run out of my house. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, it was exactly the same image uh, that I saw on my, on my dream, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, that, that's that's exactly right. So everybody in church like, oh, my God, you guys planned this. I was like, no, I don't know her. This is the first time that I see this painting. Anyways, the service end, I go back home and I Google this image. And I put in the Google, I put uh, Jesus hugging a guy pictures. So Google bring me a bunch of pictures. And when I see the picture, I click on the picture. And it was painted by a famous painter called Thomas Blackchair. And guess what? Thomas Blachier in the year 1992, he started doing this painting and he started doing fasting for two weeks. 
asking God to let him paint the image of Jesus, right? And after two weeks of uh, not drink, not eating, just drinking water and praying, he started doing the painting. And when he's half of the painting, he said the Holy Spirit show up and said, Thomas, it's a beautiful painting, but now you have to write a book and you need to explain people what is the meaning of this painting. So Thomas said, well, what am I going to explain to people? I said, well, everything that is on the painting is the darkness that we all have is in the back. The light that we all have is in the front. The love that Jesus has for us and everything else, the compassion that Jesus has for us and everything. So he wrote the book and the name of the book is called Forgiveness. And that's the end of my story. So when I was in heaven, before I came down, Jesus told me, Carlos, you need to tell people in order for everybody to continue living in this world on peace, they're going to have to forgive. Why? They need to forgive three people. Number one, they need to forgive their parents. Why their parents? Because it doesn't matter if they abandoned you, if they hit you, if they didn't like you, if they abused you. They did the best they could to give you the best you have. Number two, you need to forgive your inner child. Why your inner child? Whatever happened in your childhood, you was a baby. Nobody could defend you. You couldn't run anywhere. I mean, you was, you was afraid. So it's not the baby's fault. So it's time to grab the hands of this little baby that is inside of you and say, you know what? From this moment, everything is going to be fine and just give it a hug and keep it with you. And number three, you need to forgive all the people that harm you in your life. Why? When you forgive your parents, you forgive your inner child, and you forgive all the people that harm you in your life, you're not forgiving them. You're forgiving yourself. From that moment, you open your heart and you let go of all the hate, all the resentment, and all the poison that have been eating you for years inside of you. In that moment, it's like you have a string with a balloon, and you cut the string, and you're free. And from that moment, that's when Jesus told me, that's when you start living in freedom. You start living your purpose. And Jesus told me, you know what is the biggest purpose in life? I said, no, Jesus, what is the biggest purpose? Everybody's looking for a purpose. But the biggest purpose is called service. Why service? Because when you die, you don't want to take your car, your Bitcoin, your house, your mother, nothing. When you die, you're going to take everything that you did in this world. How many people you help? How many lives you change? How many people you give shelter? How many people you give food? How many lives you change in this world, you know? Um, like Mother Teresa of Calcutta, Mahatma Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, Princess Diana, I mean, they did service and their legacy continued until today. So the end of my story is asking people, what are you doing today to leave a legacy of love, to leave a legacy that's going to even continue living after you go after life, you know? Mm. What is going to be your blueprint for this world that you was here and you did something for others here? And that's my story. Now, when Jesus gave you this message about forgiveness. Mm -hmm. was, was this the same voice or a voice that you heard again? No, it was, it was uh, at, the end of my, at the end of my life review. It ah. was, yeah. So this was this. Okay. So this yeah. happened. This had happened before. Before but, I came down. Yes. Right. Now, since that time, have other things happened that seem more than coincidental in encouraging you to, to deliver God's, God's message? Well, after this happened to me, um, I completely started looking at life completely different. 
Um, I wasn't, uh, before I used to like uh, nice clothes and nice cars and all that. And from that moment, all that, it lose all that, everything that was attracting me to all those things, the material thing. And from that moment, I just want to connect with nature because I felt from that moment that nature was God. So every weekend, I work Monday through Friday. So every weekend I start going to waterfalls and I started doing waterfall chasing for three or four years. So here in Atlanta, we have amazing waterfalls. So I started going to the mountains, going to the ocean, and connecting with God. Just being silent is the moment that I feel that you can connect. It's the best moment that you can connect with God. When you're in silence with, with yourself and just listen to waterfall is amazing. Um, another thing that happened to me after this experience was I start feeling energy. I never feel energy before, uh, but if I go into a person's house that this person prays, pray a lot, as soon as this person opens the door, I can feel a wave coming out, like a heat wave that coming out of the house and hit me in my face. So before this person says something, my customers, I say, excuse me, you pray a lot, right? And people are like, oh my God, how do you know that I pray a lot? Because I, I can feel it. And uh, when I start talking to people about my story in their houses, I start getting goosebumps all over me. So when I start, I start telling my story and people start getting goosebumps, it's like a confirmation that the Holy Spirit is present and the people is getting the story and I'm getting the story. Another thing that happened to me, if I'm running to dangerous situation, my heart starts beeping really fast and it's something that I cannot control. It just came like that. Um, I can feel a person, if a person is bad, even if you see this person looks really nice and all that, but if my heart is like, I can feel the energy of the person. I can feel if the person's energy is heavy or if it's light, same thing. And I think we all have this, you know, it's, it's not a special, but it's intensified when this thing happened to me. But when you go to a house, you can feel if the energy of the house is low or it make you feel down, or sometimes you go to another house and it make you feel like, wow, this feels amazing here, you know? It ever happened to you? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So this is uh, happening to me, and I start doing Food for Life. It's here in Atlanta. Uh, I want to do service to others. So in Food for Life, we have a huge kitchen, and we start cooking. You can go Saturday, Sunday, so during the week here in Atlanta, and we prepare food for the homeless. So we go to several shelters, and we give food to homeless. Um, I work for another organization like uh, Toys for Toss. Uh, I went to Mother Teresa house here in Atlanta. Uh, they have a, a program. They help 200 kids. They're immigrants for, from Asia and other countries uh, in that side of the world. Uh, I don't know if you know, but here in Atlanta is the biggest uh, uh, place for uh, refugees in the United States. It's called Clarkston, Georgia. And mm -hmm. the nuns of Mother Teresa took me there and uh, I, I met like over 200 kids and I told my story and they have a summer camp for these kids. They don't have money to pay for this, but the community get together and give uh, all that they need. So I get more involved with my community. I get more involved with nature. I get more involved to helping people because my heart was like, bigger you know and i knew that we come here and material things are gonna they're gonna go you know 
And but when you do service and when you help others, you feel that something inside of you is going to fill you up, and it is some something that money cannot buy. You know. Yes. Yeah. And what inspired you to write "Help from Heaven"? What inspired me? Look, one of the the, the biggest thing that happened with "Help from Heaven" was every time that I was telling my story to people. One time I went to a hospital to tell uh, people was looking for me for, to hospital to pray for people. So I was telling this story to this, this guy was dying. And he said, this is the most beautiful story I ever heard in my life. Now I can die in peace because I hear this. I've been waiting all my life to hear this. And then he died. And it, it, that was like, wow. And it's not for me. I'm, I'm, I'm not the, the, <laughs> the famous person here. The famous person is God. But it's not me, you know. I don't want anybody to write about Carlos Olga. No, 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 no. It's not about me. It's about the message that I carry. It's like I work for USPS Heaven, and I delivered this message. You know, you don't want to be talking about the guy who delivered the message. You need to talk <laughs> about the message. You know? <laughs> and a, another lady, um, I went to a hotel in Panama City, like three years after my near-death experience. And uh, it was a Hilton. And this lady, when I'm, I'm checking in, she said, excuse me, but you've been here in this hotel before. And I said, like, yes, uh, but you have three years without coming here. How come? I said, well, because I have an accident here, uh, but I don't want to talk about that. Thank you. I said, no, 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 no. I need to know what happened. I said, ma'am, it's a long story. You really don't want to hear it. I said, no, no, no. Yeah, I really want to hear it. This is the concern, you know, when you are checking in. Yeah. And there was nobody around. So, okay, here we go. So I started telling this story. And when I'm almost finishing with the story of the dolphin, this lady started getting uh, like a seizure. She started shaking. And I, like, <gasps> and I have to call 911. So 911 came. And uh, it, it was very impressed for me because I never thought that she's going to have this reaction, you know. And then when she come down, she said, like, Carlos, you don't know what you did to me. This was a confirmation that I've been waiting all my life. You know, I, I don't have studies. I mean, the only studies that I have is high school diploma. And you don't know who I am, but I'm the completely uh, uh, general manager of this hotel. And under me, I have people that have all the titles in the world. But God put me here because I've been father of God. And he knows who I am as a person. And this is a confirmation that I need for my life. So I really want to thank you for telling this story to me. And please don't die with this music in your heart. You need to tell this to more people, you know. And... Like that, so many times that I've been going, telling my story every day, every place that I go, and it's just to bring comfort to people. You know, I don't want to die with that story inside of me. And I think it's time after all these two years that everybody was tramping their house, it's, it's time for, not just for me, more people have more amazing stories than mine, you know, but it's time that everybody get the courage and say, you know what, let me tell the world that there is more afterlife, there is a God, and everything is going to be fine, you know? So that's why I step in and say, you know what, Let, let's do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, there are nearly a thousand near-death experiences in this country every day, yeah. <laughs> every day. And if everyone would talk about what they saw, what they learned uh, about, uh, about the light, about God, about heaven, about our future, and about the importance of love and forgiveness, we could change the world. In, oh, in a matter of weeks, we could do it. If a thousand people a day would start telling their stories in earnest to, say, five other people, 
that would spread. Those five people would tell the stories to other people. And, a, and right before, you know, the end of the, that month, we could change the world. Definitely. Definitely. And that's, that's a message that I want to give to people, you know, yeah. like, like uh, Jesus saw me in heaven. I didn't get this math, but he said more than 98% of people around the world have childhood trauma. So you need to give this message to so people. You need to start healing this message. And we're going to a transformation in the planet right now. I don't think we're going back again after this, uh, these two years, you know, everything is changing and we need to change too. And we need to forgive in order to be free. And I, I believe that's, that's really important. And, you know, after these two years, people get more aggressive on the streets and people is like with more anger. So they need to release everything that they have inside of them. You know, uh, I believe that yeah, everybody needs to come down and forgive their past and start living the now, the present. You, you can't truly understand the, uh, the importance of love until you first forgive those people that you are holding a grudge against. And it's such a relief to oh, do definitely. that. Oh, Forgiveness yeah. is such a reward for both the forgiver and the forgiven. It's yeah. amazing. Forgiven, I read the other day, I don't know who wrote that, but I read forgiven is to take somebody off jail, but guess what? You was the person that was in the jail and you have the key all the times in your hand. So when you forgive, you release yourself for the jail that you put inside of yourself for years. And you've been suffering there for years. So from that moment, your heart is going gonna, is gonna to be better. You know, I, I recommend to people to watch a movie. It's called The Power of the Heart. It's a documentary about how the heart works in everybody's life and how the heart is connected to an intuition and to God and how the heart can feel stuff that nobody can feel, you know? It's like when a mother knows that their son is going to have an accident, she feels it on her heart. When you go to a place and, you know, it's dangerous, your heart is going to feel it first, you know? And you have a presentiment, something's going to happen, you know, you feel like something in your heart. So your heart is like the GPS of your life. And like I said, other times, Sometimes people in life, they don't understand what a lot of stuff happened in your life. It's like, why this happened to me? Why did I lose my job? Why I have to move from this house? Why my wife left me? Why this is happening? Well, the, everything happened because our life is like a spider web. We don't understand what's going on in our life. But then with time, we're going to look back and we're going to look every point in this spider web. It's like, oh, if this didn't happen, if this didn't happen, I wouldn't meet this person and this person. Oh, now everything has sense, you know? Mm-hmm. So we don't know what's God's plan. We have a plan, but he have another bigger plan for us. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we're all important. We all deserve to be here and enjoy this life, you know? Yeah. Along with uh, forgiveness, uh, talk a little about uh, surrender. That's when your miracles happened. Well, when I surrender, most of the time is just, I just feel in my heart, I mean, that I, I, I need to release something, you know? I mean, surrender for me is like you say, it's a gift that you give to yourself. Because, for example, I have a, a friend that she fight with her mom. And they were like seven years separated because they're fine. And how many times, you know, you fight with family and they don't speak anymore. And guess what? This friend, after seven years, 
my friend have cancer. So her mom didn't have any other option to go back and see her daughter. And when she went to see her daughter, her mom realized, oh my God, I just lost seven years for nothing. Because I could forgive you. It was nothing. It was, it was nothing. So I, I, she was asking God to forgive her for what she did, you know. And sometimes we get mad with our brothers, with our sisters, with our mom, with our dad. And I mean, life is too short, you know. Yeah. And then when you're going to see, maybe it's going to be the last time that you're going to see them if you get mad with them. One exercise that I do for forgiveness and I did with a friend of mine, it was uh, this friend need to go to, uh, to California. And I was coming back from vacation and she called me like, Carlos, I need to go to Los Angeles tomorrow. I said, okay. And the person that I was driving, I was moving to Los Angeles. Yeah, I know you're moving to Los Angeles. And I have a U-Haul truck. And this was a girl. I said, like, okay. And now I, I don't have anybody to go with me. Could you go with me? I was like, uh, oh, I can't. I mean, I just came back from vacation. I said, like, please, could you speak with your boss? I said, well, you're going to have to put a lot of people to pray for that to happen because I know my boss. So anyways, she prayed. A lot of people pray. And guess what? Next day I told my boss, hey, you're going to laugh what I'm going to tell you. I know I just came from vacation, but I need to travel from Atlanta to Los Angeles. It's like five days on a car with a U-Haul, you know. I'm moving and uh, I don't want my friends to go by herself. So I'm going to go with her, with her. So my boss at the end said, you know what? Just go. You don't want to leave that girl go by herself. Anyways, on the way to uh, California, my friend said to me, you know what? Let's start releasing stuff that we have trapped in our life. I said, what do you mean with that? As he said, why we don't start making some phone calls? Let's do this exercise. I said, okay, phone calls to who? I said, well, how many times in your life somebody changed your life, but you never told that person that that person changed your life? So grab the phone right now and out of the blue, call somebody that you have seven, 10 years, 20 years without talking to him. Grab the phone and say, thank you. Hey, what's up, George or Mary? How you doing? And people in the other side are like, what? I just want to say thank you. You remember last time that we saw each other 20 years ago? You told me to go to New York and start a new company, and it was the best decision of my life. So I just want to say thank you. You changed my life, but you never knew that was you. And believe me, just that right there is an amazing thing to feel because you're going to cry. The other person is going to cry. You're going to feel emotions and love inside of you. And you can do that with your parents, you know? Mm. Why you don't call your parents if you're mad with them? I said, Mom, you know what? You give me life. You was with me all my childhood. Uh, we just have a little fight. Let's go and get dinner. Let's fix this and start over from the beginning, you know? And start forgiving your dad, your mom, your brothers, your sisters, your best friends, you know? And give it another chance, you know? That's the way that I see forgiveness. Giving another chance to you and to the other person, you know? Yes. Yes. Well, thank you. Carlos, we are just about out of time. But yes. I'd lo- uh, um, is there some way that folks that uh, listen to the show could uh, get in touch with you or find your book, yes. Help from Heaven? Yes, this is my book right here. It's called Help from Heaven. And uh, the way that you can find my book um, is going to my webpage. It's www.helpfromheaven.org. 
or you can go to my uh, Facebook page, it's called Beyond Near Death Experiences, or Help from Heaven, uh, a dolphin miracle based on the book Help from Heaven. That's my other uh, Facebook page that I have for people. But www.helpfromheaven.org is when people send me emails and I respond to all the emails and all that. And I have a, a like, you are like the number four podcast here on YouTube and I have hundreds of emails every day and I try to respond to everybody <laughs> and they come from all over the world and just be patient. I'm going to respond to you, but just be, be patient. Okay. Oh, thank you so much, Carlos. Thank you for oh. sharing this amazing story of yours. Uh, I'm sure our listeners are really going to benefit from it. Thank you so much, Lee, for inviting me to your program. I'm really glad to be here. And I feel like two friends just talking here, you know, like, like we have a long time without you, so it was really nice for you. Oh. Thank you so much. It feels well, very warm, you know. Thank you. Thank you. If listeners would like to hear this show again or any of our more than 470 archived ad-free NDE interviews, go to TalkZone's NDE radio site and hit the Past Shows button. Or go to our YouTube channel, NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, where you can subscribe to and comment on the complete NDE Radio library. And be sure to check out our NDE Radio Facebook page. Just search NDE Radio with Lee Whitting on your Facebook app. And listen again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern at Talk Zone for more NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting, saying thanks for listening.